Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Draft Breakdown with John Chapman and the 49ers Rush Podcast. We've got a great one for you today. We are going to be going over the interior defensive line guys, and I've got them in four separate tiers, and we're breaking down. we got seven guys to break down today. And, man, there's so much talent on this defensive line class. But even if you just break it down further, you know, we know the edge guys. We've already gone through and broken down that um, those two groups. I broke that down in two podcasts if you want to go back and look at that. But if you just look at interior guys, man, there's a strong possibility you get three or four of these guys going in the first round, which is a lot, much more than normal. So without further ado, what we're going to do is we're going to go through each one of their kind of measurements and combine slash pro day results, some stats, some scouting notes, and then we'll break them down into tiers, player comparisons, their draft position. And then on top of that, you know, my favorite thing to do takes the most time for sure, but that's okay. Uh, I have an adaptation that I've created of a scouting rubric uh, created by the late great Bill Walsh and basically nine different criteria that he outlined for each position and turned it into a way to grade, you know, on a scale of one to 10 for each one of those positions. So, and different ways to scout those out. So we're going to do all of that for all seven. So stay with us and halfway through the episode. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this game day sports memorabilia. They gave us amazing DeForest Buckner autographed Jersey that we will be detailing how to get that for free. Um, so stay tuned for that. We'll be hitting that one up about halfway through the episode. So, Without further ado, let's jump straight in with the top of the top. Now, the way that I have my tiered rankings, I have two players in the elite tier. Quinnen Williams out of Alabama, no surprise there, but also Ed Oliver. And I'm not going to lie, I have Ed Oliver and Quinnen Williams much closer to each other than I think a lot of draft analysts do. I would have absolutely no problems whatsoever if um, somebody had Ed Oliver over Quentin Williams. They are both incredible. It just kind of depends on what it is you're looking for. And without further ado, let's jump straight in and hopefully some of these things will play it, play itself out and we'll understand what, what these players have to offer. So Quentin Williams, Alabama defensive tackle, six foot three. 303 pounds he ran a 4.8340 which is just incredible uh being north of 300 pounds and running that time 33 inch arms which is decent for a defensive tackle not elite but that's okay now the thing that separates him from everybody else and i'll have like a quick two to kind of like two word or a quick phrase for each one of these players once i finish scouting them on what sums them up the most and for quentin williams insane speed and power definition of a disruptor so if you are wanting to get pressure in the face of the quarterback and to have several different solo run stops a game from the interior job it's quinnon williams so he is first in run stop and pass rush productivity in the entire ncaa 
with all interior alignment from Pro Football Focus. So production is there. Um, you know, if we look at his stats, 10 sacks, 56 pressures on 330 pass rush snaps, which those are great. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'll give that same metric for each one of these seven guys so that you can kind of uh, weigh and compare them. Now, the issue with Quinnen Williams is that he's a one-year guy. He's only played one year. And so is he just a flash in the plan? Have we seen uh, – it, it just raises some questions. Now, he also had 54 solo run stops in 2018, 2018. Only had two missed tackles the whole year, which is very, very impressive from, impressive from the interior spot. But the things that make him special, and when you grade his film, which just makes me smile nonstop, is textbook leverage at the point of attack. Uh, he plays behind his pads, not under his pads. We're not going to say that about everybody we talked about today. And extends his arms to look through his hands. Now, uh, whenever I first started coaching, I coached defensive line for my first three years in the coaching world. And I played defensive line. And so I, I absolutely love watching these interior guys. Having said that, one of the very first things that you want to teach is get off while maintaining perfect leverage. Where basically if you align your shoulders through your waist through your, uh, you know, your hips all the way down through your heels and then extend your hands forward. And if you can get a player to play behind his pads and even further than that, the next step, play behind his hands and look through his hands, which will help align all of the power that he has, that allows them to achieve full potential and kind of maximum force whenever they are striking into the offensive lineman. And whenever I watch Quinnen Williams, I just the, the former coach in me just smiles and says, Hell yeah, this is a kid that gets it and has been coached up so well that he can reach his maximum power and maximum potential play in and play out. And you see that. And that's why he's so disruptive. It's because whenever he strikes the offensive lineman, they are going to get the hell out of his way because he's just so strong. His run pass read is second to none. Insane field awareness and understanding of what the play is. You'll see kind of counters or draws or screen game. He is gone before the ball is delivered a lot of times. He reads the under, care, the under key or his initial key much better than most guys. I have him as a perfect 10 on play recognition from the interior position, which is very, very rare. His swim uh, move is impressive and seems to always work on passing downs. He does do it a little too much. Uh, he's going to get popped in the ribs a couple times if you do that. Uh, DeForest Buckner probably has one of the better swim moves in the entire NFL, but, um, you know, he plays – it's a little bit different. He exposes his ribs a little bit too much. It hasn't cost him yet at the college level. Hopefully it doesn't at the next one either. Or he corrects it. And the way you correct that is a lot of guys want to swim this overly dramatic where you raise your hand way over your head. You don't want to do that. You just want to skim their shoulder pad without raising your hand like you're in class. You want to do just a quick over-under, just right over the player's shoulder pad or their arm, and then post back to clear them. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. I, I've been here in my office doing swim moves against the air. That's okay. Um, good down-the-line effort. Um, flow away plays, no issues there. He does seem to take a play or two off per game, usually in the third to fourth quarter. Now, it's not a major concern. But sometimes um, he seems to be content at if the blocker gets the best of him on his initial first step, he'll kind of step back and try to peek over both shoulders to see what the pass play is going to be and play almost like a quarterback spy. It doesn't seem like that's the initial play call, but if he doesn't get that initial pressure, he'll just kind of step back and just say, all right, 
all right, I'm not going to get to the quarterback display. Is he going to try to break the pocket and I'll chase him down? Um, you know, I don't really like seeing that. And again, I saw a lot more of those whenever it was, you know, in, in the second half, much more than I did in the first half. So now his worst game that I saw was against Texas A&M. Eric McCoy, who I'm very, very high on, of Texas A&M, held his ground pretty well. And this is going to be the question. You know, he played in the SEC and saw elite talent game in and game out. But whenever he went up against McCoy, he held him very, very well. And so curious to see what that's going to play. Is he going to be one of those boom-bust guys to where he has one game with, you know, two sacks and eight tackles and followed by a game with one or two tackles and no sacks or pressures? I don't think that's the case, but it does raise the question, which is what you don't want whenever you're looking at these elite guys. Will he be stalemated by stellar guard play? Um, so that's just something to concern concerns me there. Player comparison, there's not one. There is nobody like this kid. The best that I could do um, is a rich man's Darnell Dockett. <laughs> and uh, I think the size and explosiveness is there, but he's better in almost every single way. And Darnell Dockett, Dockett is a hell of a player. Uh, I, don't, I cannot find a way for Quinn and Williams to fall out of the top four. Um, and a lot of people are saying top four, he's going to be top three. And some people are like, he should be number one overall. You're all right. Um, you are all right. The only way that I could see him uh, falling out of the top four is let's say two quarterbacks go and uh, Bosa and Josh Allen. But again, I think most teams will have him ahead of Josh Allen on their big board. So let's jump over to the criteria for each one of these guys. And let's rate one through 10, 10 being the best one being the worst. So most and these are in order of most important. Okay, now if your job as a defensive coordinate, coordinator is to stop the pass and all those things, and you want pass rush from the interior, you might have some of these things switched. But this is based again off of Bill Walsh's uh, rubric for scouting the defensive tackle or interior defensive line position. So, number one most important: get rush, get push in the run game. Uh, he gets an eight. He's very very good at it. Pass rush options ten. You want pass rush from the interior? This is your guy. Effort motor, he gets an 8. Um, if I was just ranking his first half film, it'd be a 9 or a 10. But again, as I said, later on in the game, sometimes he takes plays off. He is a big boy. Quick first step is an 8. Plays behind his pads, 10. Absolute perfect grade there, as I talked about. Times on the ground, 7. He does fall down sometimes, but not enough to be a concern. But also not elite in that category. Play recognition, 10. Absolutely incredible. Punishing tackler, 8. And a consistent tackler, 9. Again, we're talking about somebody that only missed two tackles in all of 2018. So that's Quinnen Williams. He is absolutely just a beast, and I know a lot of 49ers fans want him so bad to pair up next to Buckner and just have those elite guys on the interior. Me, I do love him. I would be very, very happy for him to be a part of the 49ers. However, I do value the edge pass rusher much, much more. So, and even on my big board, I do have Nick Bosa, who's my number one overall player, and Josh Allen ahead of them. I would prefer both those, but definitely not upset if we got Quinn and Williams. I just don't want to miss out on those elite edge guys. Even if uh, the 49ers do have D Ford, I want that second option out there as well. Now, the second guy in my elite tier who is, oh my gosh, about as exciting a player as there is in this draft. And again, if we jump back to, man, six months ago probably, Ed Oliver was a lock to be a top three possible top overall pick in the NFL draft. He comes out of Houston, six foot two, 287 pounds, uh, just finished up his pro day. He ran a 4'7", 140 at 287 pounds, which is 
insane. Um, 31 inch arms, and the kid is just, it doesn't even make sense. And the very first thing that I wrote down for him, or not the very first thing, but kind of what summarizes him is uncanny. You know, I was an X-Men fan growing up with like the, the uncanny X-Men and the mutants and all these things. This kid doesn't make sense. And I put uncanny and highest ceiling ever for an interior guy. Um, and again, this is coming out of uh, college and you could go and say, oh, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? I'm telling you right now, if Ed Oliver is able to reach his potential, this kid could be one of the greatest of all time to play the position. Yes, I know Aaron Donald is Defensive Player of the Year, year in, year out. Do I think that he is as good as Aaron Donald? Hell no, I don't believe that. However, the potential, which a lot of teams will fall in love with, is Aaron Donald level. Um, I do believe that Donald is much more of a technician than Ed Oliver is much more of a freak athlete. Uh, but again, I'm not, I'm not saying Aaron Donald's not a freak athlete. Those are just the differences in their game. But let's get through some stats here. 14 sacks and 73 pressures on 1,007 pass rush snaps. That is a lot of pass rush snaps. Now, um, he didn't play as much this year as he did in the past, had some issues, but all that's cleared up. And some people are going to get upset about the major apple white jacket issue. That's total bullshit. I'm a Longhorn fan. I have been since day one. Major Applewhite is a horrible coach and a bad person. Let me just tell you that. I Some of my best friends have played under him. Some of my best friends have coached with him. I don't want to throw names out there. Um, I know a lot about Major Applewhite, born and raised in Texas, whatever else. I can't find one person that has been coached or been with played under him that will vouch for that person's character. And whenever I brought this issue up with all of them, they all said the exact same thing. Major Applewhite is just a dick. <laughs> so anyway, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can just YouTube, Ed Oliver, Jacket. They get in a fight on the sidelines, whatever. There's a reason why Houston moved on from Major Applewhite. So back to Ed Oliver. Here we go. So 132 solo stops in three years with only nine missed tackles over three years. That's great. Um, he doesn't make sense and moves like a linebacker, but he's 280 plus pounds. And so, like, then you're thinking, okay, well, probably like a finesse guy because he's so quick and agile. But when he gets his momentum going, you cannot stop him. It doesn't matter which center, guard, double team, fullback. It doesn't matter. If he makes his mind up to get his momentum going and you give him space, when he engages through you, he blows through you. I almost wrote the Incredible Hulk whenever I, I was doing my summary because when he is mad – and you can see it on film whenever he gets violent. It's just, it's unreal. Now, it's it's not even like his film's inconsistent. It's either good or amazing. Uh, that's just what he is. He does go to the ground way too often. He is one of those guys that leaves it all out there and goes 100%. So sometimes he will get off balance trying to make like a pass rush move or like a crazy tackle. And so he does go to the ground way too often. That's something that's going to have to be fixed. Now, his bull rush is scary. And if the quarterback hates pressure in their face, he's going to be the worst nightmare for quarterbacks. If you just wanted to put him over the center, and a shade, a one, a two, three, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter, over the center guard and just allow him to pat bull rush that A-gap, he is going to get pressure in the quarterback's face, play in and play out. You cannot stop this guy. First step can be elite, 
but sometimes it seems like he decides to set up his swim. So what he'll do is he'll stand up and kind of do that boxing bear thing. And what I mean by boxing bear is think about a bear that's trying to attack you. They pop up on their hind legs and stand straight up and then start swatting with their arms. So he his best trait is playing behind his pads. But every now and then he'll stand up and try to like juke and swim move or club and rip. Um, lots of different things like that. Now he can play all four defensive line spots in a 4-3. He can play all three defensive line spots in a 3-4. He can play inside linebacker if you wanted to. There are several teams that asked him to do some inside linebacker drills at the combine. He said he was going to wait for his pro day. Uh, it didn't do too much, but he did get to work with uh, Vrabel, which was, you know, as a football player, like, <laughs> you just love that. You know, we got Vrabel working out Ed Oliver. It's just awesome. So, so many of his plays, you just like, what the hell did this kid just do? Where he'll power cling a 330-pound offensive lineman with one hand, and then his feet are moving just incredible, and his speed, he runs down a running back that's, you know, like a 4-5 guy. It just, this kid is a highlight reel waiting to happen absolutely love this player if he goes outside of the top 10 it would be a travesty i don't think there's any way he gets past buffalo at nine but he is insane uh player comparison again one of those people that just defies and and doesn't fit a mold so i came up with this if vince wilfork was 50 pounds lighter but still is strong so <laughs> hopefully there's some patriot fans out there that are laughing but the way that this guy affects the entire game from up front is just, I mean, it's absolutely insane. So um, those are my top two elite guys. Let's run real quick Ed Oliver through kind of the gauntlet and just see his numbers. Gets push in the run game, nine. Pass rush options, eight. Effort motor, seven. Quick first step, ten. When he times it up, it's a thing of beauty. Plays behind pads, not under. Gets an eight. Times on the ground, two. He had the worst grade out of all seven of the defensive linemen we're talking about as far as falling to the ground. Play recognition, seven. Punishing tackler, six. Consistent tackler, eight. But again, uh, with the most important things, you know, the top four criteria, nine, eight, seven, ten. Um, the, the guy is just phenomenal. Now, if we take just a quick uh, step back, and those are the top two guys. I, I think those two guys will be going in the first round, top ten, almost guaranteed locks, top nine, really. But these next two guys, they offer role players. And once we get out of the elite tier, they're going to be kind of scheme-specific and role-specific. And my two players that I have in the next tier are Christian Wilkins out of Clemson and Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. And they are very fun guys, and I do think that both of these players have a shot to go in the first round. I think Christian Wilkins probably much more so than Tillery. But let's jump right into it. So Christian Wilkins uh, came out of Clemson with this elite defensive line. They're going to have almost their entire front four is going to be drafted this year, except for one that's still a junior. But anyway, uh, Clemson, six foot three, 315 pounds. He ran a 5.0440, 32-inch arms. And kind of my summary for him is quick and consistent. This guy just continues to always make plays consistently. Now, he's not the huge splash player that you want out of somebody like Quinnen Williams or Ed Oliver, but he is consistent, and he's, he's a PF, PFF player, pro football focus. And what I mean by that is... What he does that's different is he's going to be on the right side of the offensive line and in his gap every play. He doesn't count against you. He doesn't have negative plays. 
He had, in four years, he had 20 sacks, 128 pressures, and on 1,239 pass rush uh, snaps. 124 solo stops, and again, a four-year starter on this Clemson team. you got to think about how elite this kid is. He has played with some of the best defensive linemen and started over them as a freshman. Only one missed tackle in 2018, and he basically... He would have been one of the best interior guys statistically um, if it wasn't for Quentin Williams. He was number two in pass rush productivity, number two in run stop percentage, only behind Quentin Williams in both of those things. So that that just lets you know kind of how specially, and he wasn't that far behind him either. Like I'm not trying to say Quentin Williams is this you know head and shoulders above him. He's just better, um, a little bit better in almost every way, but just a little bit. This guy is still going to be a solid starter for 10-plus years. Uh, played on stack defense. That was a 4-3. Almost never faced a double team because of what the other people on the offensive line or defensive line for Clemson had. And he's just a positive player. Uh, not really a highlight reel type of a guy, but just like going to be probably going to be a team captain by year two or three. And he's just a positive locker room guy that's going to help your entire defense mold together. Very consistent, productive. But he's a completely different breed than the top two defensive uh, tackles. Needs to stay in a 4-3. But, you know, he is definitely a great player. His athleticism for his position is rough as far as, like, if you check out his what he did at the combine and all these things, it's very subpar. There's nothing really special. But he is a technician. My player comparison for him is Kwan Short. A little bit less power, a little bit less athleticism, but same productivity. If he goes into a system, a 4-3 system, that allows him to play his game, he's going to be elite. I think he could go late first, early second round, and let's run through some of his numbers. So gets pushed in the pass game, six. Pass rush option, seven. Again, 20 sacks over four years. Effort motor, seven. Quick first step, six. Plays behind his pad, seven. Times on the ground, nine. You almost never see him go down. Play recognition, eight. Four years of experience. Punishing tackler, six. Consistent tackler, ten. So, you can just see how he grades positive in every category, but not really elite in any one specific field. Now let's jump over to Jerry Tillery. This kid, he's a little bit different because he's so freaking tall. Six foot six out of Notre Dame, 295 pounds, 4.93 in the 40, and 34 inch arms. So he is length and an elite first step. Um, you know, I, I kept having a hard time. Uh, saying who had the better first step between Tillery and Ed Oliver, and I graded them both out at a perfect 10. The only different difference I would say is his first step is much more consistent, and he's not getting near as much love. He really should be talked about much higher than a lot of people are talking about. If you go watch his Stanford film, the Notre Dame-Stanford game, he had four sacks in that game alone, and it's not like he was going up against bad offensive linemen. He just has... He has the attitude to take over a game. Now, the negative to that is he's a little inconsistent, but he's very powerful. He played through an injury almost the entire year with a torn labrum. That seems to be fixed now. He looked great at the combine. Uh, every on-the-field drill where he went out there, I was just like, holy cow. Um, his film was great, but he is very, very athletic for a defensive tackle, and it shows on all the on-the-field drills, and it translates to the film as well. All right, now if we look at uh, Tillery's stats, he had eight sacks, 48 pressures on 249 pass rush snaps. So you can see a lot smaller numbers than a lot of the other guys. 13 solo stops, 
Um, now, the biggest issue with him is 19 career missed tackles as three and a half years as a starter. That's unacceptable. Um, you know, I, I I don't really know what it is. I kept trying to figure out what it was. He's kind of an arm tackler. He doesn't necessarily drive through and destroy. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't make sense of why so many missed tackles. I was having a hard time kind of penciling. His form's not terrible. He just kind of slides off sometimes, the, uh, the running back. But he has the best first step of any interior guy in this draft, and he'll always be the first one off the ball, uh, which is great. Uh, it's very, very hard to teach that. Loves to club the offensive lineman as hard as he can. He's got those long arms, 6'6", 34-inch arms, where he runs up to them and when they're pass setting, and he just clubs them with the right hand. He doesn't even bother swimming or ripping because when he makes contact, that lineman is moving. Uh, my player comparison for him is... A less explosive but more consistent Malik McDowell. If you remember out of Michigan State, kid's film was fun, but he was a huge red flag. Uh, he got cut by the Seahawks who spent, um, a very, I think, a first-round pick on him. Um, maybe a second-round pick, but he, he didn't play in one game. But his college film is very reminiscent of that. And so uh, Jerry Tillery, that's where I have him. Let's run through his numbers real quick. Gets pushed in the run game seven. That elite first step helps him so much. Pass rush options four. Uh, he really does the same thing almost every play. Effort motor, 8. Quick first step, 10. That's his best trait. Plays behind his pads, not under 8. Times on the ground, 8. No issues there. Play recognition, 7. Punishing tackler, 7. Consistent tackler, he is a 4. Misses way, way, way too many tackles. So before we jump to our next player, um, Jeffrey Simmons, who is, man, he's interesting because there's injury concerns, there's character concerns, but the ceilings there and all those things. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. Man, did they come through for us this time. We have another 49ers Rush podcast giveaway, and this is the best one we've had yet. It is an autographed DeForest Buckner jersey. Uh, and I mean, it is just, it's nice <laughs> to say the least. I love DeForest Buckner. He's by far one of my favorite 49ers. It was great seeing him be drafted. I was able to go to that one. And I love this guy. He's been elite. He's going to be a 49er for a long time, hopefully. Now, here's what you have to do. And again, thank you so much for Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. Head over to my Twitter, at JL underscore Chapman is my pinned tweet. All you have to do is three easy things. Follow my Twitter account. You're probably already doing that. Check. Hit subscribe to this show. You're probably already doing that. Check. The third thing is the one that you got to do to win this jersey, and this is rate and review the show on iTunes. I give the link on there, so go to my Twitter account. Um, it's the pinned tweet to my profile, and what you need to do is when you review the show, you say whatever you want about the show, and I'm not asking you to give it five stars. You just be honest with what you think this show is, and, but leave your Twitter handle at the end of your review. And so that's all you got to do. And here in a couple weeks, we will get this out on this podcast. So hit subscribe if you haven't already. And we will continue our draft talk all the way up until the draft. And then we'll kind of change channels a little bit, work on some mini camp stuff and all that stuff. But anyway, now let's jump back to Jeffrey Simmons. This kid, Mississippi State, six foot four, 300 pounds. A lot of people are saying that he would have been a top 10 pick if he was healthy. The problem was... He tore his ACL in February, um, right be right after you know bowl season and all that ended. Whenever he was getting ready for a workout, so he's going to be a player that's going to be on the NFI list, uh, which is basically the non-football injury list, which is stupid because 
it's a football injury list, but the way the NFL categorizes based on the CBA, the current CBA, is that if you are injured before you are part of the NFL, even if it is a football injury, it doesn't count as a football injury. So uh, he won't be a putt player. He'll be at NFI, which is a whole different set of rules um, and criteria. He will probably, based on the timeline of the February ACL tear, be able to come back in December. But again, the question is, do you want to leave something like that up to chance? Um, yeah, that's up to you. He's probably just going to redshirt the entire year, and you just say, hey, you're going to come back next year, and you know, just call it a Trent Baalke special, even though those never worked out. All right, so let's break down his actual film and what this guy is. He is a dancing bear. And what I mean by that, he's not a guy that fires off and delivers a blow. Um, he doesn't do that ever. He stands straight up. And on the start of every single play, he stands straight up. He is the highest man on the defensive line, which I hate. But he is able to juke and stack and shed and throw offensive linemen out of the way and become very disruptive. So 12 sacks, 73 pressures on 792 pass rush snaps, which is, I mean, that's a pressure every 10 snaps, which is, that's very, very high. 75 solo snaps uh, stops over the last two years. He did have 14 missed tackles in two years. That's not great. But, um, again, his style of play is very different. There's going to be some teams that absolutely adore this guy, and there's going to be some teams that just hate watching his film. I was in the latter category. I do not like it. Um, Finesse-style defensive tackles. Now, he is so powerful, so I don't like calling him finesse because the dude is so damn strong and violent he just doesn't do it by firing off. He does it playing under his pads, not behind his pads. So he's a stack and shed. Um, that's just what he is. So he's going to extend out his arms, and then he's going to pull them down, toss them to the side, club and rip. It's what he, he doesn't drive through. He's getting He discards O-linemen with his huge upper body strength. Great hand usage in almost every single play. He uses his upper body strength. He's not the fire-off speed guy. Crazy slippery for a big guy, which is crazy at 6'4", 300. But you'll see offensive linemen miss him a lot of times. They'll go out to hit him, and he'll just let his shoulders go, and he just flashes right past him. He's basically – his game is designed to almost be an edge pass rusher, but he does it from the three technique, um, anywhere from the interior. So if you want a defensive tackle that pushes off offensive linemen backwards and things like that, Simmons isn't your guy. Now, he does go to the ground way too often because he plays so high, um, but he is an ideal interior guy versus the pass rush. So he, he is a guy that can play all three downs, but if it's, I guarantee you this, if it's like third and one or on the goal line, you're going to get him out of there. You don't want him in there because he does give up ground in the run game. Um, would have been a first-rounder if he not torn his ACL. Um, no doubt about that. He could still go in the first round. You know, you look at a team like the Raiders that are still a year or two out from competing, and they have four picks in the top 35. Uh, would not be surprised if they used one of the picks on him. He kind of fits what it is they want to do. Now, character concerns as well with this guy because when he was a senior in high school, a video came out of him hitting a woman repeatedly. There was a fight between two girls – um, one lady falls down. I don't recommend watching the video. It's very disturbing. But after one of the girls is knocked down, he goes over and starts hitting her as other people are hitting her in the face repeatedly. Um, now, he hasn't had any issues since then. You know, that's several years ago. But you do with that what you want to do. You know, this is one of those players that, you know, I think John Lynch would not have on his board 
Um, that's just my opinion. I could be totally wrong. It has been four years since there's been any issues. But, you know, you got the domestic violence in the past. I don't know if that's called domestic violence, but violence versus a woman in the past. And you also have the injury. So you do with that what you want. Now, my player comparison for this guy, again, is it's Don Terry Poe, but 40 pounds lighter. He plays the exact same game. You know, Don Terry Poe is this huge, big old dude, 340-pound athlete, but he's not driving people back very often. He added that to his game once he came to the NFL. But he's a stand-up and dancing bear type of guy uh, i do think that he'll go in the second round i really hope the 49ers do not take him i do not want this guy on my team personally just because i, I the injury concerns the 49ers have way too much of that the off the field concerns we have i don't want any more of that um he's very very special but it's just i think i want to win now and this guy is going to be taking the entire year off uh, so anyway let's move on we've got two more guys we're going to go through rather quickly. Um, Dexter Lawrence out of Cle Oh, sorry. I did not go through uh, Simmons' numbers. Gets pushing the uh, – this is back to Simmons. Sorry about that. Back to Jeffrey Simmons. Gets pushing the run game, too. That's not what he does. Pass rush options, nine. So right off the bat, you can see what makes this kid special and what he's bad at. Effort motor, five. Quick first step, four. Plays behind his pads, two. Times on the ground, four. Play recognition, six. Punishing tackler, five. Consistent tackler, six. He doesn't do a lot of things well, but what he does as well as anybody else is pass rush. This is a pass rush league. So that's the value that this kid has. Now, Dexter Lawrence, our last two guys. Clemson, six foot four, 342 pounds. This is the mammoth of the class. Having said that, he ran a 5.0540 time, which, I mean, that's just bananas. How fast this kid is. He, he basically... Tied Christian Wilkins, his teammate, despite being 30-plus pounds um, over that guy. 34-inch longs, 34-inch long arms. This guy is power and size. Uh, he's not going to be moved. If you run a 3-4, you can put him at nose just fine. You run a 4-3, you put him at the shade. This guy is going to be in the NFL for a very, very long time. Uh, he did tweak his quad at the combine, but you look at his numbers, 13 sacks, 99 pressures on 699 pass rush snaps over three years, 82 solo snaps, zero missed tackles in 2018. Just an all-around stud that is great versus the run and not bad versus the pass. Uh, you know, he never had high sack numbers, but he, he was on the offensive line side of the play every single play. He will never be pushed back. Uh, don't care if you double-team him. doesn't matter. This guy is not getting pushed around. Um, he's just a bull that fires off every play with good leverage and arm extension, and he's just in the he lives in the opponent's backfield. Um, that's just who he is. There's not really a lot of complexity to this guy's game. He's just power and size. Player comparison, way less explosive Haloti Nada, but I think he can be just as effective. I really, really do. Not gonna get a lot of sacks, but you want to play against a team like the New England Patriots that are gonna run the ball down your throat. Nonstop, you put him in there, you're cutting off half the field. It's just what it is. I think he goes in the sec uh, late second round just because the pass rush versatility isn't really there. And here are the numbers for Dexter Lawrence going through the gauntlet. Pass Gets pushed in pass rush, nine. Pass rush options, four. Effort motor, six. Quick first step, three. Now, this is where he just goes off the charts. Here we go. Times on the ground, 10. Plays behind his pads, not under. 
10. Play recognition, 8. Punishing tackler, 7. Consistent tackler, 10. Dude doesn't miss tackles. So that is Dexter Lawrence. And our last guy is Draymond Jones, who I'm – the way I have this draft set up in my tiers, uh, these two players, it's almost like a pick your poison because Dexter Lawrence and Draymond Jones are a complete antithesis to each other, completely different size and completely different play style. So Draymond Jones, Ohio State, six foot three, two eighty one, five point one two forty. So this is a guy that is sixty one pounds lighter than Dexter Lawrence, but slower. Hey, figure that out. Um, anyway, I think that's more of a testament to Dexter Lawrence than it is to Draymond Jones, who had a very very bad combine. Thirty three inch inch arms, so that's all right. Nothing special there. He is not a bull rush guy. That's just not what he does. He had 10 sacks and 52 pressures on 465 pass rush snaps. That's pretty decent. 26 uh, solo stops, four missed tackles in three years, so that's great. But he's a quick guy. Super quick feet, great first step, and he just has no power in his game. Uh, boxes and jukes right off of the line, never goes through his opponent. He is not a power guy. Um, worst case scenario is he's a guy that comes in on pass rushing downs, Best case scenario, um, you're going to stunt and kind of do a whole bunch of slants with them and things like that. He is not going to drive through a guard or a center. Uh, it's just not what he's going to do. Might be a best fit in a 3-4 where he's an outside uh, – or not out. He's a defensive end in a 3-4 on pass rush down situations. But it's I'll tell you this. As I was watching his film, gap control teams are going to take him off his board completely. Because he's not a guy that's going to line up in the A-gap and go through the A-gap. He's going to line up in the A and cross the center's face to the opposing A or go through the C-gap. Uh, he's just he's more of a lateral-moving defensive tackle. And because of that, you know he's going to get docked. A lot of teams are not going to want him on their team. Uh, poor man's Je uh, Jeffrey Simmons is what I called him. Uh, I think he goes in the third or fourth round just because of his pass rush options. Uh, so let's put him through the, the numbers here. Gets pushed in the run game, a one. Worst score possible. Pass rush options, seven. Effort motor, seven. Quick first step, nine. Again, finesse guy. Uh, plays behind his pads, one. You'll never see him do that. Times on the ground, five. Play recognition, four. Punishing tackler, five. But again, consistent tackler, ten. Misses zero snaps. So hopefully you have enjoyed this breakdown. Um, man, a little bit long-winded. But, man, there's just so much talent in this group, and we are going to keep recording. We're going to keep punch, pushing out content all the way up into the draft. And if you haven't, head over to Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. Retweet, follow, leave that review, and win that DeForest Buckner jersey. Thanks and appreciate your time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.